I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It split families and friendships. It's divided the political spectrum. And now, the furious debate over vaccinations is tearing through the world of sport. We start with the extraordinary news from Australia. Novak Djokovic has been denied entry into the country. The champ remains in detention in Melbourne this morning because he is unvaccinated. There was always going to be an interceding from the government. I'm gobsmacked that he didn't intercede before he got on the plane. He can't be let out and let out into the community without a visa, but this is a mess. When the tennis superstar Novak Djokovic flew into Australia last week to compete in the Open, he landed himself in an immigration detention centre. He might be a world champion, but he's also unvaccinated. Entry with a visa requires double vaccination or a medical exemption. I'm advised that such an exemption was not in place, and as a result, he is subject to the same rule as anyone else. Although Djokovic won an appeal, his place in the open still hangs in the balance, as the Australian government decides how to act after the latest round of revelations. Novak Djokovic has sensationally admitted to lying on his entry declaration form and mingling with others while knowingly infected with the virus. Unforced errors that could hand him a one-way ticket back to Serbia. The case of Novak Djokovic raises an important question. How should the sporting world deal with athletes who don't want to get vaccinated? There's a lot of frustration, isn't there, I think. Patience is wearing thin. The Djokovic case has just sort of blown it all out into the open. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the vaccine sceptics in sport. As a sports writer for The Times, my colleague, Rick Broadbent, is never short on entertainment. It's fascinating getting an insight into these high-profile people and seeing great sporting events. And there's always a lot of drama that goes with it on and off the um, pitch or court, as has been shown this week. Well, we've all been gripped by every twist and turn in the saga around Novak Djokovic, the reigning world number one, and his rather dramatic arrival in Australia for the Open. I mean, just talk us through what's been going on. It's been... A huge circus, but, but, gripping, but gripping, as you say, in an odd way. To try and cut a long story relatively short, he flew in for the Australian Open, which is one of the major events of the year, the four Grand Slams. He's the reigning champion. Of course, the stakes here are high because Djokovic is tied with Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer for the most Grand Slam titles of all time with 20. There's a lot at stake 
with this tournament because if he wins it, he would become the person who has the most Grand Slam titles of all men players. He thought he had all the requirements he needed to get into Australia. He's never actually stated that he's unvaccinated, but it's pretty clear, clear he is. He thought he could get in because he'd already had COVID, which is one of the grounds for a medical exemption. When he got to Australia, he didn't get past the um, people at the Australian Border Force who said he hadn't got the right documents. Ended up in a pretty rundown hotel, a hotel that's used for asylum seekers a lot of the time, which I think people sort of delighted in to an extent because it's nice to see a multimillionaire sportsman slumming it. There's a lot of talk of him being deported at one point. There was, yeah. And so he was in this limbo, really. So the Australian government taking a very hard line, which may or may not be due to upcoming elections. And basically he was in limbo, but then went to a court case and the judge there overturned the um, decision to cancel his visa and he got into the country. Much to sort of slightly surreal scenes of fans celebrating, fans getting pepper sprayed by police... Parents likening him to Jesus and Spartacus and no end of slightly overblown sort of analogies. And it's, yeah, it's just become an absolutely incredible story. These really are bizarre times. I mean, there is still a chance, I suppose, that before the Open begins on Monday, a politician in Australia could still pull the plug on, on Djokovic's appearance. Talk us through that. Yeah, I mean, the Australian Immigration Minister has sort of not taken the decision of the judge very well and suggested that basically he has discretionary powers to uh, overturn that. And that has wider implications as well, because if that does happen, you know, there is a chance that Djokovic could be banned from going to Australia for three years, which is a significant thing for a tennis player. For his career, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Djokovic is an interesting case because he's not popular for, for a sports person of his ilk, certainly not compared to Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal. Why is that? I think he, he tries incredibly hard to be loved, and maybe too hard, but um, I don't think he's just got that personality that endears him to, to people. He's got all the talent, obviously. It's quite hard to explain, but it comes up every year at Wimbledon. Why, why are you not more loved? And then he'll say something that makes him even less loved. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a strange one with him. But anyway, so he's got that going on. And in some ways, certainly certain people in Australia are saying that Scott Morrison, the PM, is using this to come down hard on a elite sportsman and show that there's not one rule for elite sports people and one rule for long-suffering people in Melbourne is, is a vote winner. And there may be an element of truth in that or not, but equally it's very easy to sort of portray Djokovic as a very rich person wanting to sort of do what he wants and thinking the rules don't apply to him. And do we know why he's not vaccinated? I know you sort of said he hasn't confirmed that he isn't, but... Do we have any hints on, on how we got here? I think we do, really. I mean, Djokovic is very well known for being um, slightly alternative when it comes to well-being. I wrote a piece in The Times last week and, you know, some of the things that he he does, there's, there's a, for instance, a, a series of hills in Bosnia which he goes to visit because a guy there says they're actually man-made pyramids that um, have incredible healing properties. And this guy has been dismissed as a crank by some specialists, but um, Djokovic goes there, as do many other people. But he's always searching for these slightly holistic answers. I know some people that through that energetical transformation, through the power of prayer, 
through the power of, of gratitude. That's Novak Djokovic himself discussing some of his more controversial beliefs. They managed to turn the most toxic food or maybe most polluted water into the most healing water because water reacts. Scientists have proven that, that obviously in the, in the experiment, that molecules of the water react to our emotions, to what is being said. He has a very strict plant-based diet. I mean, I know these are totally different to vaccines, but it sort of maybe gives you a hint at the way he thinks about what he puts in his body. His wife also, she's certainly liked certain social media posts that have sort of talked about the conspiracy theories like the 5G telecommunication mass being responsible for COVID, that sort of thing. But yeah, he's a bit alternative. And Rick, one of the things I find most surprising about this story is, as you said, this is an incredibly important tournament for Novak Djokovic. This could be the moment he becomes the most successful male tennis player ever. He's the reigning champion. There's no way he'd want to miss it. And yet, do we believe he was entirely relying on getting COVID in December as his way of getting in? I mean, if he hadn't had COVID so recently, there was no plan B, was there? I mean, if you're playing devil's advocate and trying to side with him, if you read the court affidavit from him, he seems to say he's got everything that he needed. The medical exemption did include uh, a COVID diagnosis in the last six months. Tennis Australia agreed that. An independent medical panel for the Victoria State agreed that. So he thinks he had it. And he, I mean, it seems he didn't get in because one of his support team basically filled in the visa form wrong and didn't apply for the right subclass of visa. It seems like a, a minor thing in some respects, but you're right. Had he not had COVID, he, he wouldn't seem to have a leg to stand on, which seems odd. Clearly, Novak Djokovic being at the Australian Open is a very good thing for Tennis Australia. You could put it like that, you know, one of the top players in the world, defending champion. They would want him there. And he's not alone, you know, straying away from the world of, of tennis I mean, here we've seen lots of elite footballers who seem to be sort of coming down with COVID who just haven't been vaccinated as far as we know. And there have been lots of outbreaks in, in football. Do mm. we know what proportion of players are vaccinated? 16% of Premier League footballers have not had a single vaccine, which is pretty poor in terms of the global scene. And what are the vaccination rates like elsewhere? It's much, much higher in Italy much, much higher in France. In fact, it's pretty much 100% in Italy, for instance. They've got something called the Green Pass, where if you haven't had at least one job, you're not playing sport at elite level or amateur level. So that's a hard-line approach, and, and people have faced with no alternative have gone for it. They haven't made it compulsory here, but do we know why so many footballers here seem to be reluctant to get jabbed? The, the chief exec of the PFA, the Players' Union, spoke about this and said there's a lot of sort of conspiracy theories that have been shared on WhatsApp groups, this sort of thing. There have been a number of cases of footballers having heart problems. You might remember Christian Eriksen collapsing yeah. at the European Championships. The concern here for Christian Eriksen is tangible. Now, people put two and two together uh, about this and suggested, oh, well, that, that's probably down to the vaccine. But it later came out that Christian Eriksen hadn't been vaccinated. So clearly, obviously not the cause. Same with another player, Charlie Wyke at Wigan, also had a cardiac arrest. So these are sort of scare stories, horrible things to happen to people, obviously, but erroneously linked to the vaccination. And I think these things sort of gather pace. 
So that's part of it, misinformation. Hmm. I mean, everybody from Jonathan Van Tam to Gareth Southgate have actually been pressing the need to get vaccinated. Yeah. Trying to get that message out there. And it's obviously fallen on deaf ears in some quarters. I think that there's also an element of, I mean, it doesn't explain the disparity with other countries, but elite sportsmen sometimes been very, very hesitant to put anything in their bodies. I know a lot of elite sportsmen, they are hypochondriacs and they won't do anything that they think there might be some element of risk with it. Obviously, there is an element of risk in catching COVID. And yeah. Maybe that needs to come out a bit more. I mean, for instance, I spoke to an Olympic athlete, Jake Whiteman, who's a 1,500-metre runner. He had COVID, as, as I had too, and we both talked about how our heart rates have gone crazy in the aftermath. I mean, one of the long-term effects, supposedly, is a risk to the heart of COVID. So to then sort of say that the reason for not having a vaccination is because you're worried about your heart seems slightly odd. Yeah, I mean, if anything, you'd think elite sportsmen would be really worried about the prospect of long COVID and how it might affect their lungs. I mean, tell me about, you know, one player who had it really bad, Carl Darlow, who's actually tried to use his experience to encourage others to to get jabbed. Has that had an effect? I guess the proof will be when we we see sort of the figures and just how many people have taken up the vaccine. But I think it certainly will help because, as I say, those stories on the other side of the fence, those sort of misinformation stories about the likes of Christian Eriksen certainly gathered some pace. So you would hope that somebody else speaking out from experience of COVID and the, the harm it can do. And also, I mean, there's a case in Germany of Joshua Kimmich, who is a very famous footballer who did contract covid suffered very badly with a lung problem as a result. So that's a story that you would think would be a cautionary tale for a footballer. But are footballers taking note? And if not, what should the footballing authorities do to encourage vaccinations? We'll have more after a quick word from my colleague. I'm Matt Chorley. I'm a columnist for The Times and presenter on Times Radio. And we try to cover all the biggest stories, bringing you politics without the boring bits. We can only do this thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. So subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. European clubs have been trying different strategies to encourage players to get vaccinated. At Bayern Munich, for example, players had their wages docked if they were unvaccinated and had to quarantine as a result. That's one way of doing it. But how are different sporting bodies responding to the pandemic? I mean, it varies. And some of it's down to the local laws. It's not necessarily the club that has uh, introduced the rules. For instance, in New York, New York City has a rule where you cannot enter an indoor gym if you haven't had at least one dose of a vaccination. And that's obviously got huge implications for New York's NBA basketball team. So one player who was refused to get a jab, Kerry Irving, plays for the Brooklyn Nets. This is my life. This is one body that I get here. And you're telling me what to do with my body. And it has nothing to do with the organization. I'm going to put that out there. It has nothing to do with the Nets. It has nothing to do with my teammates. He's a very famous figure in America, and he earns around $400,000 a game. But he's missed 35 games, which is obviously a fortune, albeit he can probably afford it. This has everything to do with what's going on in our world. And I'm being grouped in to something that's bigger than, than just the game of basketball. Recently... He has now been reintroduced to the team and he can play for them, but only in away games. And that's because the Brooklyn Nets have got an outbreak of COVID and they're down on players, so they need him back. Still can't play in New York at home, but he can play on the road. So you've got these very strange situations cropping up. Yeah, you know, you could, exactly. You couldn't really make some of this stuff up. I've heard stories about football clubs over here, vaccinated players getting irritated with the non-vaccinated players because so many games have been cancelled because of outbreaks of COVID. The, the fact is, obviously, if you're a player with COVID, you can't play. But also, if you're an unvaccinated player uh, and a teammate of somebody who's got COVID, you can't play either, because then you have to isolate. In, in terms of these games that have been cancelled or postponed, we don't know whether it's vaccinated players or unvaccinated players. But clearly, it's causing a lot of problems. And you're getting to the point where somebody the statue of Jurgen Klopp, the Liverpool manager, said that he wouldn't sign a player who was not vaccinated. If a player is not vaccinated at all, he's a constant threat for all of us. So he has to change in a different dressing room, he has to eat in a different dining room, he has to sit in a different bus, he has to, to drive to, to, to wherever in a different car. So from an organisation point of view, it's, it's, it's a real mess. It's a real mess. If you really want to follow the protocols, it's, real, it's, it's incredibly difficult to do because it just gets so messy and causes so many problems, which is quite yeah. quite a big statement. That is. But it's interesting that people like Jürgen Klopp are having to do this. It's slightly ad hoc. I mean, is there mm. anything that the whole sporting body, is there anything they could do to make sure that that's happening across the board? And should they be allowed to? I mean, what's the debate going on in, in the sporting world? What the FA, what the Premier League, what other bodies could do, it's hard to say. I mean, they've tried to get the message out there with high-profile sort of figures banging the drum... Some clubs have, have gone that way. Wolverhampton Wanderers, 100% vaccinated and proud of it, making a, a lot of noise about it. And they put it down to being a tight-knit team who've got total trust in their medical staff. Maybe some of these other teams don't have so much trust because you would think if you work with a doctor on a daily basis at a football club, you, you would probably believe him. But it's hard to say what the bodies could do. I mean, certainly when it comes to the Winter Olympics, which is coming up in China next month, the International Olympic Committee whether this is under pressure from China, have been held in Beijing, have said that 
pretty much said that everybody has to be vaccinated because the alternative is if you're not vaccinated, you have to do 21 days in quarantine. It's going to be pretty hard to compete at Olympics if you've done 21 days in quarantine. In training. Yeah, exactly. I think I did five days when I went to the Tokyo Olympics and I, I was tearing my hair out and I wasn't going to have to do much more than just walk to the bus. So that, that does make it impossible, really, for any athlete who wants to be at the Olympics not to be vaccinated. The Olympics is a different a different story in a way because obviously it's once every four years. Mm. I mean, you mentioned Djokovic and what a risk he's taking to give up on a major event. But if you're an Olympian and it's once every four years... Four years of training to get there. You would have to be a pretty staunch anti-vaxxer not to, not to uh, go there on the basis of your belief. Mm. I mean, there, there clearly are quite a few staunch anti-vaxxers, though, across mm. other sports. Tell us about the rugby player, Henry Slade. Yeah, well, Henry Slade, a very talented rugby player, plays for England, plays for Exeter. He said in an interview last year now that he had no plans to get vaccinated and that caused a stir. He said uh, he doesn't trust it and he doesn't agree with it and we don't know yet any sort of side effects or long-term effects the vaccine may have. And then he tried to clarify his remarks by saying that he has type 1 diabetes and has had problems with vaccines in the past. So that was sort of the explanation given. He said, in no way whatsoever am I offering advice to the general public as to the pros and cons of the vaccination programme. Everyone has a right to their own opinion on this matter. But given my past experiences, I wish to make the correct decision for myself. But the implications for him, if he plays for England and England play in France and they play in Italy in the Six Nations Championship, which they are due to do in the next couple of months, could he get in? France, as we speak, really, are bringing through new rules where people need to have two vaccinations to go to public places, including sport. So, yeah, I think patience is wearing thin. The Djokovic case has just sort of blown it all out into the open. And I suppose it's not just the disruption it's causing with cancelled matches and fixtures and, you know, like Novak Djokovic, players turning up and not being able to take part in tournaments. There is also, there always has been an issue with sportsmen where they are seen across the world as heroes and role models and to have them so publicly not being vaccinated and clearly believing that vaccinations might be bad for people. I mean, is there a worry about the impact that might have? I can't imagine that many people are going to think I'm not going to get vaccinated because Novak Djokovic hasn't done it and has been locked in a hotel for a week. But um, but maybe in Serbia, where he is an absolute national hero and a, a demigod, maybe it would have an impact. I mean, clearly, people over there are hugely on his side and think he's been terribly treated. You know, as the family are saying, he's been tortured and all this sort of thing. I mean, coming out with some really emotive, overblown language. And the response has been remarkable. We've seen people in Serbia out on the streets. In Belgrade, they believe their tennis hero is trapped in a shameful game of politics. His parents leading the chant of his nickname, Nole, we love you, in a demonstration on the steps outside the house of the Serbian National Assembly. I mean, he is uh, number one national hero. So yeah, it's, it doesn't play out very well. And then it certainly doesn't play out well if the Australian government is doing this for political reasons rather than actually care and concern for their own people. And trying to sort of navigate through all that to get the truth is is not as easy as it's probably seemed a few days ago when it just seemed no, that Djokovic was just a rich millionaire trying to do things his own way and get whatever he wanted. I think it, there is a bit more to it than that, for sure. 
clearly lots of people in Serbia and lots of supporters of Novak Djokovic will see him as a bit of a hero for having done this and will be very much on his side. That's sort of the the role model, heroic end of it. In terms of him as a a sportsman, though, you know, you pointed out that he's already had real issues in being likeable. His image could do with a bit of help. I mean, if he does end up playing in the open in Australia, what will it be like on court? I mean, how do you think fans will respond? I think he will be in for a torrid time. We already know that the Australian public, particularly the Victorian community, do not overwhelmingly want him here. Everyone here is so sick of being under so many strict rules. Well, you, you'll abide by them too. We've done the hard yards. Maybe you can do it too for a couple of weeks. I think it's a disgrace. We've all done the right thing. We've all gone out and got our, our jabs and our boosters. And all of a sudden he's, he's been exempt and can play. And I think it's an absolute disgrace and I won't be watching it. I mean, his mother said that it is the greatest victory of his career, you know, getting a judge to overturn a decision on what seems to be some sort of procedural basis rather than anything else anyway. It's the greatest victory. I mean, given that he has had quite a glittering career. Yeah, exactly. It does seem to sort of demean sort of uh, the 20 Grand Slam titles. But it does show just how it's become. I mean, I mentioned earlier some of the analogies sort of drawn. Spartacus, Jesus, it's total martyrdom. And it's really not. <laughs> it's nothing like it. Uh, I mean, he's had a few days in a grotty hotel, but maybe you should think about those people who are in that hotel all the time. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the vax, anti-vax issue has sort of completely torn up the political spectrum, I suppose. And in the last two years, you know, we've had Black Lives Matter and, and people taking the knee at sports matches. And now the vax, anti-vax movement suddenly hitting sport. Is sport suddenly getting caught up in effectively a culture war? Yeah, it probably is in a way. It's strange in a way that we're talking about sort of those 14% of footballers who are not vaccinated because from the day that Matt Hancock said footballers need to do their bit right at the start of the um, pandemic and then before long we had people like Marcus Rashford, Raheem Sterling very much doing their bit and exposing Matt Hancock for what he was. This case sort of takes it back a little bit in a way in that we're going back to the idea that sports people are spoiled you know, they do what they want. They have special rules. So, yeah, they are caught up in this. And this one, I think, certainly has become political. I think the Australian government are trying to get some capital out of this. As I say, there's elections coming up. And if you're seen being as a very hard line on people coming in without vaccines, then when you've put punitive rules in place for your own population, then, you know, it's got to curry a bit of favour if you're coming down hard on Novak Djokovic. Similarly, we've seen Nigel Farage from here. Yes, we have, yeah. Gaining political capital by jumping in in support of Novak Djokovic. Amazing. Which is a bit of a surprise. It is a surprise. I mean, he's not known for his um, love of Eastern Europeans, is he? So um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's quite, quite bizarre. That I... Or his antipathy for Australia's immigration laws. <laughs> exactly. It shows how big the story has become that people just see the opportunity there, don't they? Sports is going to have to become more political. Yeah, well, I mean, there's always been that thing, sport and politics don't mix, but sport and politics have been intertwined intertwined forever, forevermore, really. You can go back to Jesse Owens, you can go back to the Black Power salute in 1968, the fact that we've got a World Cup coming in Qatar, Winter Olympics in Beijing, with all the political backdrop to that. Sport and politics, are, they've never been out of bed. They're always in bed together. You 
You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, sports writer at The Times, Rick Broadbent. You can find all of Rick's work at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription or in print. The producers today were Edward Drummond, Oliver Adamson, and Brenna Daldorf. The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by Tom Birchall. If you'd like to get in touch with us with any ideas for future episodes or any thoughts on what you've just heard, then do drop us a line to storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a review. It'll help others to find it. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.